So there's like the there, there's still the final issue of life. Right. I, I know. I looked at the premise. Yeah. So and I the guy wants idea. to. The photographer insists on negative number X being the cover. Uh huh. And he he claims that it is the quintessence of life, as in like the the singularity of the like this is represents yeah, yeah, yeah. life. And uh, it's clear that they're trying to do like Adam Scott is this like sort of like a heartless like executive yeah merger executive coming in who has like is an idiot and doesn't know what it means so he mm-hmm. keeps calling it like I guess it's like the quintessence of like so I guess it's like I don't know like a really good photo or whatever <laughs> every time he sees it's so broad every time he sees uh, so what's his nuts Walter Mitty he's like where's my quintessence of Why Did We Watch This, the podcast where three friends sit down, watch a not-so-hot movie, have a nice little drink uh, to get through it, and then talk about what was not so good about it and mm. what we could have done better. Because we're all experts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this week we're back with just a mini-episode. Uh, I am your host for this week, Lee Delahanty. I'm Chris Ravel. I am Brendan Drischler. And uh, the movie we'll be doing in two weeks is what I'm very happy to do. It is... The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which everyone <laughs> knows to be the Ben, uh, ben Stiller. Stiller one, but from the real the real homies will will wonder is if it's the Danny Kaye one. That's from right. <laughs> if you get to a certain point, he's singing a song about hats. <laughs> you know you've gone in the wrong direction. Keep yeah, watching. Keep watching. Hey, but but realize that it's the wrong movie. Ah, uh, it. You have to drop the yeah. H because he's the house. How bad the French accent. That's right. Ah, uh, it. Woman. He's a <laughs> flaming homosexual Frenchman. Uh, yeah. But you know what? But that's not this. But one. we're doing the Ben Stiller one. Yeah, both very good-ish, very different takes on a short story that really isn't about much at all. Um, but we'll be doing that movie in two weeks. Yep. Um, prepare yourselves for it. Yep. We'll of course be having a little drink for that, and that drink is that drink is the quintessence of life, and that drink is made of two ounces of clementine juice, two ounces of tequila, one ounce of apérol, and some seltzer. So you just add the clementine juice, the tequila, and the apérol to a shaker with ice, and shake it up. Strain that into a glass with ice, and then top it with some seltzer, and you got yourself the quintessence of life, baby. There you go. And because I just because I wanted to do it really, and because yeah. I wanted to have a nice cozy drink, we'll also be having a nice glass of scotch. That's right. Go it's going to be a nice cozy movie yeah. with nice cozy drinks. There's, it's, there's been a lot of time in, in cold climbs and, and with near volcanoes and smoky things, so I wanted to have a nice smoky. Oh yeah, good we drink. should get some sort of baked good. I think like I don't want to make it now because now we're doing a cocktail, <laughs> and I was debating about baking. Like I was literally maybe looking at clementine f- cake recipes just to see. Maybe I'll we'll get. Some, maybe we'll order something from flour. Ooh, yeah, that would be good. I was thinking. Nice. Yeah, I think yeah. flour. We could even just. Stop that whole food and see what they got. The flour yeah. would be good. I've made flour forever. I've made an orange saffron cake before, but yeah. it's very involved. I mean, that's the thing too. Every single recipe I could find, like the simplest one, was still like you know many many hours yes. out of my life, and I was like, Ugh. I was debating about maybe doing like a clementine scone thing or something. Mm. That's a uh, scone. What's scone? Scones. They go to Greenland, Greenland, not Iceland, but we can have that like Icelandic uh, pastry that I can't remember the name of. Klarm. <laughs> that's yeah, probably what it's Klarm. called. <laughs> Um, any- anyway, yes. <laughs> anyway, anyways, we'll save um, the discussion for another time. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We're gonna have to probably. Don't know, worry about it. Go was the episode? Is that like what's that word for? Huge. Huge. It's <laughs> gonna be huge testing. We're gonna be yeah, very from? cozy. It's, it's like it's the, the sort Swedish, of like it's Swedish or Scandinavian. I yeah, it's Scandinavian like, concept of like being really cozy. Yeah, being comfortable. Huge. Cozy. Get your huge. warm socks on. Huge. Huge. Get some hot huge. cocoa. There and, you go. Fourth time's the charm. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna do that. It's going to be great. Yeah. This week... 
It's a, it's a game that's of thrones. Of thrones, of thrones, of thrones, of thrones, of thrones. It's a game of thrones. Of thrones, of thrones, of thrones. We've got Peter Dinklage, Game of Thrones. Can he have an enemy, Game of Thrones? Oh my god. Hey, good job! Ah, good one. That's right, we're talking about Game of Thrones. Yeah, I, I mean, wanted to talk about this for Strike while that iron is cold. I was going to say, finally our takes are here. Yeah, fi- <laughs> we've done the math. And yep, we decided it was finally the time to talk about Game of Thrones. It's been, what, a year yeah. since the show ended? Has it really, cal- though? Who can tell? I don't know what time is. I've done some calculations, and yeah. season eight wasn't bad. <laughs> Let me yeah. see that work, please. <laughs> show your work. Uh, all right. Oh, look, at, look at your dry race board over here. Yeah. Carry the two. Um, loop that gif over and over of like math flying over my face. Yeah, no. Let me tell you why I thought about this. Why do you, why, you think, Lee? Why were you thinking of season eight of Game of Thrones? <laughs> Something that no one should be doing. So quarantine has been. You've had to find a lot of time sinks. That's right. Too much time. I just decided because I didn't have any good games. I didn't have any uh, good TV shows to watch for a while. Yeah. That I was just going to find a fandom and do a fanfic deep dive. <laughs> and I decided that I was going to look for. Uh, I was just going to read like a, as many good Jamie Brienne fics as I could find. And guys, there's a lot of good ones. That's good. <laughs> I believe it. No shortage of them. Uh, and I read a ton of them. And all everyone that I read just made me go like. Why the fuck? <laughs> the fuck did the show do these two right? Uh, even remotely. How e- Look at all these amateurs out there. Yeah. People that do not write for a living. In their free time, for free, giving you a better story. You know what sucks, too, is the way they, the way they handled it on the show. Um, was so right, and then they were like, you know what? <laughs> we take it back. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that. And, then and they, you know, you know what else we the, take back? The entire, the entire development. The, of the typical D and D response of like, yeah, we just decided like that's what he does. <laughs> that's what you his know, thing is now. That's yep. what he does now. Flander, Flanderization yeah. has landed us here. <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to just talk about, um, you know, it was never going to be like a as a, that graceful landing with the short King's Landing, even yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with like. With HBO being like, all right, guys, Wrap it's it time to finish it up. And, and with well, my understanding though also was that HBO would have gladly extended it more. Really, and but D and D wanted to. Yeah, that. they were the ones who were like, no, the last season's going to be eight episodes, whatever the fuck it was, seven episodes. I remember. So like, yeah. they were the ones who like saw that Star Wars paycheck and were like, gotta wrap this up and get out of here. And then of Isn't course, the Star Wars thing canceled. Yes, it yeah. was. Great but job. at the time, <laughs> wait, so there was like some kind of. Do we think that was related? Like, oh, 100%. Okay. Like, it's it's the whole Book of Henry and Colin Trevorrow thing. Yeah. Where he was supposed to episode 9 and Book of Henry came out. And they were like, mm, maybe not. But in retrospect, yeah. maybe it should have. Anyway. Book of Henry was... Listen to that episode. So crazy. Yeah. Well, so yeah, it's... It, we had to wrap it up. Uh, we didn't really know. No one really knew except GRM, maybe. But probably not even him, really. Knew right. how it was gonna, all going to pan out. So the thing, my, my I've talked about this. My personal belief is that he knows what the ending is. Like he 100 yeah. percent knows like what the last chapter of the book is going to be, where all the chess pieces are going to be, how everything has gone down. Yeah. But he doesn't know how to get there anymore. Like yeah. I think at a yeah. certain point he created this world and these characters that are so sprawling that he just sort of lost control of them and got like bogged down in all like these minuscule details and their lives and their histories. And like I understand that. Like that's very tempting to do, especially if you create a world that. Has has such vivid, realistic characters and yeah. places in it. But the fact of the matter seems to be, at least to me, is that he sort of lost the plot a little bit. And now he's just kind of 
trying to shove it in the right directions, which is why it's taken so fucking long it, yeah. for another book I to come out. I think there are probably two or three threads that he would like to just forget about. Yes. But oh, he's I, put them out there and... And now you've got to address them. I also, Targaryen, anyone? Yeah. I, I also think there's a sort of a natural issue of, like, he's been writing this series for a very long time, and choices that he made maybe closer to the beginning of it that set up certain threads are ones that he may not just be interested in anymore, which is right. natural. And I mean, that's also a point of discussion, you know, writing with an ending in mind versus... Or, or not even writing with an ending in mind, writing with, like, a very firm ending in mind versus just sort of, like, having an idea but kind of not really wanting to feel beholden to that and moving along. So you have, like, the How I Met Your Mother thing, right. where it's like... We know what the ending is going to be. It has to be this. It's going to end with these two characters yeah. together, but then you don't take into account the fact that, you know, nine seasons have passed. These characters have turned out differently than you imagined they would have two, like in the first or second season, but now you're committed to being like, well, Ted's got to get with Robin at the end. So with Game of Thrones, it's like, well, we know what's going to happen. Like, Danny's going to go nuts. Bran's going to be the king. Jon's going to be shipped back up north for some reason. And then they just don't. They just, they, 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 like, kind of get their characters within ballparks of the places where they should be. And, but then they just wrench them in the directions that they were planning for them to go anyway. Yeah. But then if you think about the fact, okay, you wanted to, to move on, why the fuck didn't you just pace it out that way then? I mean, it's it's mostly just not wanting to do the work. And again, this is nothing new. There are so many articles you could read about this. Like, there's Lindsay Ellis has a great couple of great YouTube videos about you know the petering out of Game of Thrones over the last couple of seasons. So I don't think we're saying anything new. But I mean, for me, it mostly just comes down to the fact that you know where you want these characters to go, but you refuse to do any of the actual work to get them there. So instead of like spending a lot of time with these characters and seeing why they're making this decision. Danny sees the red keep and is like, oh my god. <laughs> so I got it. I, I, hot take. I found that very frustrating. But I, the, the ridiculous thing I found about that was uh, people are pointing to that. I was like, well, she like used all this violence. And there's a lot of like writing, not a lot, but there is some writing in, leading up to that moment of like Tyrion being like, wow, we like watched her kill all these dudes. And we, and we said nothing. We, we cheered. And we yeah. cheered her on. And it's yeah. crazy when you think about it where he was like, she was killing fascists, and we didn't do anything to stop her. And hey. right, right. Well, they're well, trying to pull the rug off under your feet and be like, "All this time, right. you were you were so happy to see her but, killing people, yeah. but those evil people have families. Think right. about that so, for a minute." So it's just sort of like, oh, okay, it's so fucking dumb. Well, especially because in my mind. Uh, yeah, we were on board with that before because the violence was motivated and it was motivated on breaking a system that was subjugating people. Like, she wasn't committing violence purely to do it. There was a, at least it a noble will, cause yeah. in mind. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it's bananas for people to be like, well, see, she she would commit violence uh, in the interest of thwarting injustice, at least somewhat. Um so of course it makes sense that she's just going to turn her dragons on the or her dragon on the people. Like that part made no fucking sense. They just needed it to happen because this had to like get the show on the road. Right. And there is again, there's probably well, there might be a version of this that ends with Danny going postal that works. Like maybe. I, I don't know. I'm still a little confused. Like. I'm I think interested you need to establish it a lot more clearly. Yeah, and I'm, frankly, like that's something I'm kind of interested in seeing. I mean, not really, because I'm not going to read them, but I'm interested in hearing <laughs> if George R. R. Martin ends up doing that in the books, right? Because, like, how... I, I agree with you, if you're laying the groundwork, it could be pulled off better, but, like, if you're laying the groundwork, maybe you should have been laying the groundwork, like, I don't know, a couple books ago, because, like, yes. it's at this point, like, where it's still, like, even if he starts laying groundwork for this now, it's going to really feel like it's just a shoehorn kind of thing for her to start doing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I thought you already had decent groundwork laying with Maureen, because, like, she 
I don't want to use a bad pun here, but she takes very, very quick draconian measures. In, in, <laughs> and, like, like it's one thing to, like, be, you know, merciless and vengeful towards people who, who use slavery, but, like, she, like, burns a shit ton of people, like, very, like, with, like, not a lot of regard and decides, like, I'm going to take away all your, all your shit and all your rights, but it's, like, I don't know, it's just not, like, it, you get hints there that she's, like, getting high on her own supply. Because, like, all of the all of the former slaves are like, oh, and you get the sense right. that she is getting a bit, like, her ego's getting inflated. Mm-hmm. Because, a lot, again, a lot of the the people around her at that time were still, like, revering her as this, right. like, she's got a lot of woman yes men who her can cabal. do no wrong. And right. that's, like, sort of the whole, that's really how you get to a corruption arc, is, like, no one is telling her when she's going too far because right. they're all like, oh, everything you're doing is great. Uh, and that, like, anger could very easily be, uh, like, that sort of righteous anger that she has could very easily continue to form into an anger that is personal, but she continues to see as righteous because no one's telling her that it's not, you know? <laughs> I think that was what they wanted to do, by the way. I mean, maybe. But the thing is, like, you don't, you don't really feel... You don't really care that she's going to fuck up Cersei, because I hate Cersei. Right, right. Right, I'm not that wild about Danny, really. I mean, I find Cersei to be a very fascinating character. No, I agree. Like, I like, I like Cersei, but I don't like Cersei. Right. She's a terrible person. Yeah, and so, yeah. like, you, you want to see her get her comeuppance, and that comeuppance is Ooh. bricks fall on her. Well, uh, we need to talk about that, but... Yeah. I, I mean, the thing, I think the thing that's most frustrating with Danny for me is that Danny is presented early on, and I agree with you, Lee, there are, like, the things with, um, Marine or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, because there's that character, I don't remember his name, but the one that's, like, he represented the nobles and Dario? Like, I know who you mean. Oh, know. um, uh, Dax something, it, it, it was when he had, like, It's like the, a weird kind of rhyming name or something. Yeah, yeah. and he yeah. was like, hey, Zone you're doing Zaxa. a lot of shit wrong right now, and yeah. she's like, no, not, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not hearing you. <laughs> don't hear you. Nope. Yeah. Uh, so, so like, I, I do agree that that is something that I, I would need to revisit the series again, obviously, to see how well that needle was threaded, yeah. but, I mean, I do agree that was something they were kind of uh, alluding to, but when you watch the show earlier on, Danny is presented as this revolutionary character who's going to overthrow this horribly unfair and unjust system mm-hmm. that has, you know, hundreds of thousands of people trapped in servitude. She's going to make a better life for them. And then it's sort of like, but she's crazy. So it's sort of like, it's like the promise of this, like, character coming in and being like, a better future is possible. I'm going to give it to you. Like, you should want better things. You should hope that in the future, like, your children will have better lives than you do. And then being like, just kidding. She's fucking nuts and she's going to kill you all. So it ends up feeling for me like a very small C conservative ending for the show Mm -hmm. to be like, you have this character who's presented as a revolutionary, a breaker of chains, but then it's like, oh, we need a king. That king better be a boy. Yeah, well, okay. So yes, that. Also, I think it's crazy that um, their essential complaint against her, which I think ideally is what you had described, because they do want you to feel conflicted about this. But the issue is, this idea that she's revolutionary and that what she's doing is good is carried through into the framing and tone of the show. So it's disingenuous and dishonest for them to turn around at the end and be like, oh, you're on her side? Predominantly because that's how it was presented to you? Yeah, but I think... Wow, you fools. And I also think it's a stretch to take this idea that she's gone berserk and then tie it to this weird triumph of the will fascistic thing and look. Because at the end, she's giving this, like, big oh, evil speech. Yeah, she's got dragon wings yeah. behind her, yeah. And, like, that yeah. to me is where the stretch comes in, where I was like, there's no political relationship between anything we know about this character and that. Yeah, so again, we, we're sort of, like, saying that this is about the last season, but really, like, I think what you're talking about is the fact that uh, it's not just the last season that's bad. It's like the, the last several seasons right, well, were not great and in a downward spiral. And I think the problem is that at the beginning of the show, I 
we didn't really care so much about Danny because she was mostly just this like victim that was like learning to like figure out what her power was and how she could get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at that time, it would be very easy to see how Danny gets goes evil. I think that it became hard because there was like sort of a shift in uh, this. Sort of goes back to that article that you one of the articles you referenced. I think there mm-hmm. was sort of a shift in like watching a show where like uh, the tables turn and the power shifts very quickly, and the people that you care about either die or become or or forever corrupted. Yeah. Uh, to a show where we have these like central characters that we sort of root for throughout the seasons, and I think that they just kind of fumbled at that point because you couldn't continue. We never got to see the point at which Cersei and uh, not Cersei, um, Danny turns that way because at that point we were too many people were like, "Oh my god, Danny! I'm gonna name my kid Daenerys." And, oh. <laughs> Oh, I hate how many people like Danny. Uh, I don't I, like Danny. I never liked Danny. I think there's something to this idea, though, that they couldn't bring themselves to kind of go against the popularity of the character. Well, I don't think it's I just that, that Danny. I think that it's just like, at that point, it wasn't just Danny. It was like, you know, I we didn't, you know, people, Arya, people liked all these characters that we killed off, like, willy-nilly. Uh, and I think at a certain point, they were like, no, we want to have these, like, central characters that, like, we really root for. And, like, yeah, I guess it's just sort of... I, I would, Like, I think for the record also, like, the idea that George R. R. Martin is sort of being subversive with fantasy tropes, like, he is, but he isn't, you know? Oh, he's so... Like, he's, I, don't, I have no, like, great faith or trust that George R. R. Well, R. Martin... I'm not... But what I'm saying is, like, the idea that there are some people who, like, talk about Game of Thrones, yeah. or, like, but it, it upends so much of what I think about fantasy, and, like, okay, like, to a point, yes, I'll give you that. But also, like... When Ned Stark dies at the in the end of first season, it's shocking because you are led to believe that Ned Stark is the main character of the show. The fact of the matter is Ned Stark is not the main character of the show, but you see him yeah. so often, you're presented with him so often, you start to think, like, I'm going to follow this guy for eight seasons or whatever. It's only, like, it's in retrospect that you realize, like, actually, no, mm-hmm. it's like it's like when Obi-Wan dies at the end of mm-hmm. Star Wars, right? It's like, of course he doesn't live out the entire thing. Of course he's, like, yeah. this mentor character to another character who gets killed off so that that character has to grow and make decisions on their own, right? So, like, I, I think the idea just in general about George R. R. Martin is that like he's he's a little bit more of a traditional storyteller than some people like to think mm-hmm. and I, I think that's sort of has come out a little bit more in the later books more so where um, I mean again have not read them but have read the synopses online just to yeah. see where these characters are going but uh, I think like it's it's just a little bit less you know desperate to upend these stereotypes than some people like to think it is you know and so like it would not surprise me if if some of the things that you've seen on the TV show come to pass in the books, not it, in the same way. No, I'm, oh, I, 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 I could totally see that happening. I, I, before we knew what season eight was going to be, mm-hmm. and we were talking about like who's going to end up in the Iron Throne, blah blah blah. And everyone yeah. was like, "Ooh, maybe Danny is going to be the princess that was promised." And mm-hmm. I was thinking in my brain, like, "No, no, no, George R. R. Martin's an old white dude. Yeah. It's a hundred percent going to be John. Like, mm-hmm. it's a hundred. There's no way it's, yeah. it's going to be a dude. Well, it ended up being they, dumber. It ended that. up being way dumber <laughs> and way more out of the blue. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, it's going to be John. John's going to be king. This, Danny's not going to factor into the ending that much. Mm-hmm. She's probably going to, like, die or, like, you know. On the note of it, though, being um, whether or not he would, like, really subverts fantasy tropes, the thing I wanted to point out was, in some ways, yes, what he does in the books is genuinely subversive, but that's not so much a reflection of how subversive he is being. It's how unsubversive the fantasy, or how easy to sub how easily flummoxed by a very slight subversion the fantasy world is. That's true. People call his work subversive only because it has female characters with inner lives. That's entirely it. I mean, he doesn't really do anything else that's that wild 
Um, yeah. So I think it's it's not so much a reflection of how kind of out there he is. It's more just how like hidebound and kind of outdated a lot of fantasy ideas about fantasy are. And I think that also has to do with people's perception. Those who don't read a lot of fantasy are not aware that it has actually gone past... Well, yeah, again, I, also, like, you know, you're you're making a magical fucking world that isn't ours with, our, with its own rules, and you're still deciding that it's, like, a horribly sexist world right. where women are, are basically, like, property. I mean, I think part of the thing also that appeals to people, sort of going off of the idea that he's, he's upending all these tropes, is that the first couple seasons of the show presented it as a world that was fantasy, but it wasn't really capital M magic. You know, you had some dragon eggs show up, and you had the implication that, you know... Children of the Forest. Right, right. And you had, like, the the White Walkers and all those things like that. So, like, there were elements of fantasy there, but it was a little less wizards <coughs> constantly casting spells than I think your average Joe assumes fantasy to be. So I think in that sense, it was very easy to pitch the show to, like, a standard family who probably fantasy has for no... those who don't necessarily right, like right. Fantasy. So you get a whole lot of like I think like probably looking back, you get a whole lot of people being like, I don't like fantasy, but I really love this Game of Thrones thing, and that it, it's it's just because you know, I don't know, it's a little less overt, and so that's something that people think yeah, but, makes well, it a little to less. My, in my mind, typical? like I don't know, they're really the majority of film and like uh, visual media fantasy is not a lot of magic like I mean Lord of the Rings there's barely any magic in Lord well, of the Rings that's true there's like fucking Gandalf has a shiny staff sometimes yeah it does a thing with a sword and it glows but like I don't know what it does it's not like he says I cast fireball or <laughs> yeah. like you know I guess yeah. it's now I guess it's imbued with some sort of power and like the well ring. I guess but like the difference between this and Lord of the Rings is like they're having sex in here right. yeah. like I mean, this is fantasy well, like, I, know, I feel like a lot of like 80s fantasy was just like sweaty Dirty dudes with yeah. swords yeah, yeah like it's Caliber. Yeah, it's, there's not a lot of like yeah, like legends. I remember being shocked and, and awed by the TV Merlin because <laughs> yeah. Merlin was just casting up fucking shit all over the place, and I was like, this is great. Zing, zing, zing. And I, I I want more of that fantasy in visual media. Like, yeah, you get a lot of that in books. There's a lot of book fantasy where people are casting, doing all kinds of magic. But like, I feel like the majority of film and TV fantasy has been like sword stuff. Like in medieval shit, with like a sprinkling of something. I like. think even Dragonheart is like there's a dragon, but that's about it. There is yeah, also well, there is has problems. There is somewhat yeah. of that element in the books as well. Listen to where Dragonheart episode. <laughs> it's it's meant to be presented as a sort of heightened or hyperized fantastical retelling of the War of the right, Roses. Right. So it is supposed to at least have a like gritty, real root. Well, yeah, and, that's and I think that's fun. supposed to be attractive to people who think that like. Magic is kind of fantasy's a little fruity. But to say that, like you know, producers or like or whoever was like, "Oh, this will get people to watch fantasy," but it's like this is the same shit you've been watching. Like, I where's the stuff that I want? Where's like the stuff where people like the Witcher, the Witcher, people like using magic in warfare? I think it's so funny that people were like so all over Game of Thrones that maybe will have otherwise not been into fantasy, and they're like. Oh my god, it's so compelling. Like, look at all this human drama that could never exist alongside magic. Like, it's so dumb. Do you remember the whole thing about how, like, they had done a pilot for the show that that we we will never see? With the original, with, not the original, but with the Elizabeth Bennett from the (laughs) 90s Colin Firth adaptation. Which I'd kind of like to see, frankly. But I mean, it is sort of interesting. So, like, if you, 
and this is mildly off topic, but if you ever look into like how this TV show got pitched to HBO, basically, and like how it got started, it was basically my understanding was because like D and D like knew an HBO exec who was at their gym or something like that, and so they basically like pitched this series to HBO because they had some connection to it. They had no real strong vision for how it was going to go. They fucked up so egregiously on the pilot that they had said that H- they think that HBO only let them go ahead because they had foreign sales in line for the show. So like you got to get something out there, wow. right? And there was, um, I was trying to, in, in the io9 article I posted, it was at, I think, Austin Film Festival or something, where um, they were basically, like, it's, it's sort of ridiculous to hear what they were saying, because it's basically, like, them being like, we had no fucking clue what we were yeah, doing. Yeah, it was, like, somebody who claimed to have been there at the panel. And yeah. It's a bit hard to verify, but, you know, if, if you believe what this person says, it is... Yeah, nuts. I mean, the, so here uh, they met with GRM, and he was he questioned their bona fides, and they said they didn't have any. Like, <laughs> they'd never done TV before. Yeah. Um, they were asked about not including women and people of color in the writers' room. They said they didn't have a writers' room, and there was one woman who wrote a few scenes. They decided up front oh it was going to be the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wouldn't hire a writer unless they were willing to be part of the production team. Uh, <laughs> they basically said, "Why did you write all the episodes themselves? Because we didn't know any better." They hired HBO wanted them to hire other writers, and they decided to have their assistant write four episodes. They wanted to remove as many fantasy elements as possible because we don't want to appeal to that type of fan. They want to, so there we go, going off of that whole I think that, by the way, I want to talk, revisit that. They wanted to get, like, the NFL. Right, they say, like, the moms. Like, the guy who likes football. I just find that to be so contemptuous. And I feel like if you're starting off on this note of, like, well, we're doing fantasy, but not for people who like fantasy. And I'm like, well, then fuck you. No, I I mean, that that always just feels like a a dick move. It's condescending. Well, also, it's it's the D&D Dungeons & Dragons, not these fuckers, boom. Like, people like fantasy. Yeah. Like, they're into it. Mm -hmm. They said when they were pitching the pilot, there was no good way to summarize the story, so we didn't. Like, it, it, like it, it's almost, it's, it's remarkable, again... The mediocrity of white men right, failing, failing up. upwards. There's so many, I mean, we, we've seen so many examples over the past several years of white people yeah. failing upwards. But, like, boy, that is it, right? Like, to end up with a prestige drama with that cast, winning all these Emmys, because, like, you just kind of, like, fall ass backwards into it. And that whole fucking thing where they always, like, I can't remember which one of, it, who, which one of them said, like, themes are for book reports. Uh... Yeah, I, I don't um, know which one it was. I can't. But it, anyway, like it was a quote that they had, where they were trying to talk about like the, like the themes of Game of Thrones, and he said, "Well, themes are for book reports," as if yeah. to say, like we're just writing the story. And like I, I get that as someone who doesn't deal well with mm-hmm. the abstract. I can kind of get okay. that, but on the other hand, I'm not trying to do justice to, like, a sprawling fantasy Also, song, you know? I'm sorry, you don't get to say that, and then in your final episode, have this long masturbatory thing about the power of stories. Or no, I was better, going to say- Who is a better story than a character who was shoved out a window, taken out of the show for, like, three seasons, comes back and is hanging out with a tree person for enough time to have powers that will sometimes trot out now and again, but is mainly, like... A non-entity in the plot. And there's also an inherent contradiction between themes are for book reports and a dragon melting the Iron Throne. Which is like, yeah, that's a pretty basic theme right there. Maybe if you truly believe that themes are never beyond book reports, that's what you end up with. Did you know dragons can see metaphors? (laughs) Yeah, they're very wise. (laughs) Um, We we actually never really know how smart dragons are. No, that's true. Like, are they they small child smart? Are they dog smart? Are they, like... Um, Above human smart? Um, nah. I was trying Same. to see if there was a list of things that supposedly from secondhand sources that George R. R. Martin had told them mm-hmm. or actors that were going to ha- that was going to happen in the book. So like I wanted to see if there was a list of things that we believe will happen to work off of what we saw in the show. Interesting. The two thing like the one thing that I saw from a different unrelated interview was that the actor who played Bran, Isaac Hempstead Wright, I think his name is, had said that D D had told him 
that the two things that GRM had told them about Bran is one, the Hodor story, the idea that the whole like hold the door thing, I believe is what he's referring to, and the fact that Bran will end up the king. So as far as we can tell in the books, Bran is still going to end up somehow on the Iron <laughs> Throne. This is what I'm like, I, I want to know how the fuck this is going to happen in the books. And there's a little part of me that thing is also like, is this TV, like, was this like a rough draft, basically? It's like, did he basically like give them a rough draft and be like, put that out there. Then he'll be like, and now I'll see what works. Whatever works, I takes. Whatever don'ts, I keep, I delete. And because D&D, the showrunners are so uncreative, they're like, okay, we'll just make this sketch into a TV show. That's it. Just, yeah. And we're also going to have Cersei, I guess, stand in her balcony with a glass of wine for, like, a whole season and a half, and then just die with the roof crumbling on her. And I I read a piece where someone was trying to be like, oh my god, it's actually so deep and meaningful because this, the Red Keep, this place where she felt, like, safe and secure from other people is the thing that ends up killing her. And I'm like, no, fuck you. Things are for book reports. That's so unsatisfying for a character who is, like, one of the most fun to watch. I think had one of the most consistently compelling performances. I'm fine with her dying in a a terrible way, though. Oh, no, yeah, totally. I think again. I mean, I'm frank. I don't really. I'm gonna be honest with you, and I don't, I don't remember the details of the, of the season. But like, I'm honestly fine with her dying in the, in the battle because she was such an incompetent ruler and so driven by her like crazy vanity. fits of anger yeah. and vanity and, yeah. that like, of course, it's how she dies. She refuses to like call in reinforcements or mm-hmm. like run away. She's like, no, no, no. The castle's gonna hold. Yeah. The castle's gonna hold. I guess no I'm, I guess I just think it's lame that she's just it's rocks fall. Everyone dies for two characters. I, mean, I think yeah. that deserved more. And the fact that it's literally just like I don't want me and my baby to die. I think the bigger issue is that Jamie's there. Yeah, Jamie's. That's my problem. Jamie shouldn't have gone back. Yeah, but I'm fine. Or, with her. Like, Again, if Jamie shows up, you have to assume that Jamie is showing up for an actual reason, aside from being like, no, I guess yeah. I love her all the time. I'm really in, I would have loved if he showed up to kill her. Yeah, that would have made Here's more sense, thing. wouldn't it? In a world where Danny did not decide that she was just going to fucking blow up the whole town, mm-hmm. I get Cersei dying because she refuses to leave the castle. Yeah. And she there's like some sort of really stupid, ignoble death where like Danny's not even planning on killing her. She's just heading up there to like surrender. <laughs> right. And then like you know, a brick falls and kills her or something. You know, like, some stupid, like, unrelated death because Cersei just refuses to quit. Or she just kills herself because she's like, fuck it, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, I'm not letting you have the pleasure Which would also be interesting. I guess I just, I think any of what you've described is better than what we got. Yeah, I guess. But I think that the problems with that are bigger than the bricks falling on her. I think yeah. the problems with that are, are how that how the bricks came to be falling on her. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah for sure. And also, um, I agree. I think Jamie being there was... A very boggling, That's very stupid, yeah. Choice, and I mean, especially when you have him showing up in the north with Brienne, and you're kind of yeah. like, oh wow, this is paying off. Surviving really... like the apocalypse, right? Basically. Right. They like yes, they're fighting together, and then it's like, oh, this is deepening their relationship. Yeah. And since he's like, no, I've got to split. Finding well, someone that like appreciates him and doesn't right. have, doesn't like just use him and throw him out. With yeah, this. and then it also like cheapens Brienne because then Brienne's just sort of like mopey about the fact that yeah. Jamie left her. So it's just like everyone kind of every Plays character the worst just right, of every character ends up just like getting. Also, how fucked up that this character, Jamie develops, and we see this great journey that he goes on, and only at the end for them to be like, nope, we're back to the beginning with you, and then you're gonna die there. That's so crazy. Yeah. So that we're supposed to believe that the worst of him was greater than the best of him. Mm. That's insane to me. Yeah. I mean... 
It's also, I, I, I'm sorry, Lee, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just going back to Jamie, the idea that, like, at the end, he seems to be sort of this, like, self-peeing character who's like, no, I'm a monster. When, like, that's not Jamie. Jamie, like, knows who he is. He knows that, like, he's not a deeply terrible person. He knows that he has a love for his sister, which is sort of a weakness. Yeah. But it's, like, the idea that everyone calls him Kingslayer and thinks he's a sack of shit. When he, he did knows, the right thing. Right. He knows yeah. that he did for all the right reasons. So, basically, everything leading up to this is Jamie basically been being like, I don't fucking care what they think of me. I know what I did. I know the reasons for well, which I did it, and they were right. What I was about to say is the I mean the worst thing that Jamie has done really is probably push Ryan out a window. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like for no real reason other than he was gonna like Well and rape s- Cersei. <laughs> yeah. Also not great. Uh, also, interesting choice there. Also Why? Why? Yeah I forgot about that. Rape. I think we all forget about that. It's, yeah, we not, it's it's it was I remember in the very beginning of the show when uh I was like, oh okay they're aging everyone up. So like the whole like Danny and Call Drogo thing is not gonna be as uncomfortable mm-hmm. because in the book she's like fourteen and right. it is rape. Um Well it's still kinda of, it is still rape. Out, like, I think it ends up being well sort of consensual, but you have to overlook the fact that it started out basically yes. being her being sold to him, well, so it's like... But that's what I'm saying, it's like, it's weird in the book that it's they it's presented as like, oh my god, this is going to be a rape scene, and then it actually turns out to be tender, even though it's still she's 14, so no, but um, then on the show they decide to take it into more of a like, oh, he has... Because in the book he's like... It's a very which he who scene. are you talking about? Call Drogo. Call Drogo, Cal, okay. Cal Drogo in the book is yeah. actually like gentle with her specifically because she's a child. But then on the show, it's much more like rapey. Yeah, it is. Physically, the first aggressive. one is like not good. Yeah, right. first sex scene there. They had later on. She like it sort becomes of a little more evenly matched. Yeah. But yeah. I just I find that to be boggling that at points where it wasn't even necessary, to, it was you. There was no rape scene to adapt in the book. Mm-hmm. But you're making it a rape scene on the show. Yeah, I I mean, for my money, I think it's far more disturbing to have consensual sex on your child's coffin. Like, yes. I, I, get, I, I, I guess it's also creepy I mean, to also, rape your sister on top of your son's coffin. shooting the moon on this whole, like, they're the gross couple you love to hate kind but of thing? I, I just think it's, like, incredible. It's, it's much more twisted and upsetting to have consensual sex on, like, I agree your dad's yeah. No, it's fu- It's The whole thing is fucked. Right. I, I think it's, it's more it's fucked bad. up in a way that's authentic to the characters, you know? Whereas yeah. if he rapes her, it's just sort of like, he's so often presented as the one who's less into it than she is as the show goes on. It's yeah. just strange to me that they would choose that moment to be like, he wants it so bad. He's right. just going to take her. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to defend it. I don't want to, I don't want to come up with reasons why this scene should be used, <laughs> but like, I, th- I think honestly, if you were going to rationalize it, the way that you would rationalize it is that he's essentially like in this toxic relationship with her. And I think that that's the only way that she can feel power is that she wants him sometimes. Mm. Oh, I see. That's fair. So that would maybe be why he would try to come on to her in that kind of a situation. But you still wouldn't because your dead son is there. Right. And I also just think that because it doesn't happen enough and you don't get that sort of explanation, yeah. it's an explanation that you have to infer from watching it. I just can't understand. I mean, and I guess I will answer for book reports. Exactly. I mean, I just can't. I was going to say, like, I'll never understand it just because I won't understand the instincts of a writer who says something like that. But I don't understand putting in the work... To bring Jamie, your character, from here to here, mm-hmm. only to shove them all the way back at the end. Yeah. To what end? That's disappointing to watch. That it that must be disappointing to write. Mm-hmm. Who was that for? I don't know. Still, I think the most egregious part of the finale is that I kept waiting for Lady Stoneheart to show up, and she didn't. I don't know. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> 
sounds like a long shot. It's a long con. Lady Stoneheart's played the long con. Didn't wait? Didn't Cold Hint show up after all? Yes. Yeah. After all yeah, in like one episode. Yeah. Yeah. He was in the two-parter when they had that whole stupid. They had to get a White Walker. Yes, because I hated that part. Well, there are multiple parts I felt like towards the end where they were just like, "Oh, we're spinning our wheels. We're not using the time very well." I loved their quest to get a white. It's so dumb. I loved it. You know what I loved? Didn't bother me. Jorah sporting daggers. My boy knows how to switch it yeah. up with his fighting style. I mean, the part that... He went from sword... He went from... I just thought Duelist was... to two-handed fighter in D&D terms. I just thought it was a dopey, I think, admittedly, doomed mission. Admittedly, it's a dumb mission, but I can kind of get it as sort of like a last ditch. Well, how do you prove that this is real? I, I guess we go find Here's one. My like, thing. It's stupid, but what's your better option, I guess? This is actually reflective of an issue I kind of also had where they sort of character assassinate Tyrion because oh, yeah. um, we get through, I want to say, half to two-thirds of the season, and he has pretty much told Cersei in every way that you can that I would be very happy to kill you after I see you disgraced. And then, around this time, when they go on the stupid white hunt, mm-hmm. um, Tyrion is like, oh my god, no, she's pregnant. She's, she's, she's... I know we, Cersei. We yeah, need to connect yeah. with her. I know. Let's right. give her a and chance. And the scene of him talking to her when she has Miss Andy on the wall. Yes. And he's like, like, I know you're a good person. Like, no, you you know she's not. But here's, and that's what drives me nuts. We, there, we, there, that turn comes out of nowhere and it's completely senseless. And as yeah. far as I can tell, it's only there so that we can engage in these, like, is Cersei going to get better? Can she be redeemed? Kind of questions that I personally do not find interesting. And when you think about it in terms of plot time, as much fun as it might have been, is sort of a waste. Because she wasn't even entering into that on good faith anyway. She was obviously fucking with them. And the part that bugged me about it was... Duh! Why didn't literally anyone turn to Tyrion and be like, you're fucking wrong about your sister. She's going to backstab us. Yeah, but I... Listen, honestly, some of this is refreshing memory. Some of this is... I don't I don't remember this, this way. But, like, I thought it was more that he was like... Not that my sister can be redeemed, but, like, I know my sister. She cares more about her kids than anything else. If we just keep coaching this to her as you, you have to let your kids survive... That's how we're going to get her to surrender. Sure, I, I I could see that, but why he's still wrong? Yeah, yeah. In thinking that 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 that's going to make her like gentler, like right. clearly she's so ferocious about her kids that she doesn't. <laughs> she actually is more psychotic. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> which I, I I think again just goes to the idea that like Tyrion's made an idiot for the past couple. Oh of yeah, seasons. and also so. just being blind to Danny's like. You know, craziness. ensuing craziness. Yeah. yeah. But then I also, like, I mean, I feel like everyone takes a turn with the idiot ball and everyone kind of, everyone just becomes a dumbed down version of whatever their character was. Littlefinger's had fleets. the idiot ball on him since season five. I mean, yeah. And also, Littlefinger and Tyrion, I think, are really the two prime examples of, like, yeah. characters who are presented at and, as des- and described as being, like, the most intelligent guys there is, turning into, like, complete fucking fall down yes. on your knees idiots. Also, I hated the entire, like, sister v. sister plotline. Because sister, be sister. Oh yeah, sister. <laughs> fucking so There's a Eurovision song that did not make it that far for one year. That was like that. She's. It was like sort of an Anna and Elsa esque like. Yeah. Like Anna and Elsa. Like girl called, power. Like, we have to like stop fighting and be friends. Yeah. It was so stupid. Anyway, but every every like stanza more or less would be capped off with sister. Um, but it's yeah, the, like the female version of brother, my brother. <laughs> Here's what bugs so me. Pikachu's cried that day. Yeah. There is apparently... So where, where the whole thing is, like, Sansa and Arya, um, you're led to believe that Littlefinger is successfully playing them against one another, even though that also feels like an idiot ball plot because he gets them believing things that is, like, completely nonsensical for the fact that they're sisters and actually fucking know each other. Yeah. But 
Um, there was apparently a cut scene in which uh, Sansa goes to Bran and is like, Littlefinger told me this shit. Can you... Can you verify? Verify. Yeah. And the fact check? Well, and the yeah. Bran is like... Bran's like, citation needed. Well, and the Bran is like, ooh, no. And that she basically calls Arya in. They actually have a, like, heart-to-heart talk. And yeah. then they, like, figure out what they're going to do about Littlefinger. Instead, I guess, to, like, play with the viewers. Okay, no. So what I have to say... It makes more sense for me without that scene than it does with it. Because if you don't have that scene, you can kind of assume that maybe off screen a while ago, <laughs> the two of them met and were like, hey, I think this guy's trying to like fuck us up and put us against each other. Let's just sort of like see how we can take this, see where it goes, and then we'll like we'll pull the rug off from under his feet at the end there. If you don't have that, these two idiots have literally <laughs> been thinking that the, each one has it out for the other until Sansa's like, better go check the internet and see what it has to say about like what my sister's doing. That is bullshit. That is the dumbest thing. You have a brother who's super smart and you're like playing yeah. along with this shit and all of a sudden you're like, mm, maybe you should ask him and see what he thinks. Apparently this was shot closer. Like, I don't know when it was. All I'm saying is like, I think it's nuts that you would even write and then shoot the scene in which the two characters just hash it out just so that you can have viewers also believing they really... I don't know. No, I mean... I, 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 I guess I feel like that that first option is assuming that the average viewer is going to give them an extremely charitable assumption. I right. forget, what does he even... What does he even try to get Sansa to believe that Arya is? Isn't it that Arya, like, wants to usurp? That's stupid. Nobody would believe that about Arya. That's pretty stupid. And also because Sansa's the smartest woman Arya knows. She tells me several times. But then I also just, like, I hate that... Sansa is even just, though the last time Arya saw Sansa, she was the like an idiot. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, again, there's so much. And so they, much, they barely had time to have a right. conversation. So much fucking that. tell don't show happening off yeah. camera in that whole thing. Where like Arya's just like, I got Sansa figured out. Yeah. Now. Super hey, smart. Remember when we last left and you were like an idiot this who had to marry actual Joffrey? psychopath? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I hate I hate the whole, like, Sansa v. Danny thing is dumb. It could have, again... Because they both act it dumb. It could have been better. They, it is stupid. It is, like, this bizarre, like, anti-feminist, like... Almost, right, no, it is, because, like, two powerful women, of course the claws yeah. are going to come out. Yes. Well, and, like, the fact that, like, multiple characters make comments to Sansa, like, you're jealous. I want to be like, ew. <laughs> well, they're not really blood-related. True. There's a lot of there's a lot of listen. It's a pretty popular Sansa John is a pretty popular shipping. I believe. Oh, I believe that. Uh, And you know, they they grew up only thinking they were like half related, and they found out they're not related at all. That really frees things up. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And it's like a world where brothers just fuck all the time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, true. That's all they did. Yeah, (laughs) they just get fucking all the time. Mm -hmm. Um. What else was really... Oh, we haven't actually really sat down and talked about it. We've, we've danced around it, but the... Yeah, yeah the Jamie Brand thing is just insane. Yeah, no, so, I agree. The, yeah, like, I, I, I think it's genuinely tremendous television we get, seeing those two characters connect and bring out the best in each other. Yeah. And almost heal in each other's relation... And, like, being with each other. Yeah, I mean, Jamie has, <laughs> like, one of the best arcs of the show. Yes! Up until that last yeah. second. right. Up like, until he leaves the North, basically. Everything's kind of okay for Jamie. Yep. Oh, no, I, I would say, like, until he goes back down. Yeah, I, I guess. But I just, like, it, it was very upsetting just to see him leave for me. Because, you know, like, it felt like... At that point, I had seen, you know, you can kind of tell where the cards are falling in this season. You can yeah. kind of tell, like, well, 
He's not going to go down there and try and do something like kill Oh, Cersei. I'm saying... Oh, sorry, what did you mean? I thought you said... It was good until he went north. Oh, no, I was fine with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good until he left. It's when he left the north and was like, oh, such a monster, bad pussy, my sister. No, I'm with you there. Like, it was great. Like, it's a great, like, you know, to have one of the last things he does is to break from Cersei and Mm. go stop this, like, you know, greater evil. Right, yeah. And And then, like, live a fulfilled, happy life. Decide to retire. Yeah. And, like, whatever whatever the nature of it it might, may have ended up being with Brienne, I just think that it would have been really important for him as a character to have a meaningful relationship with with someone who is not toxic for him. Yeah. And I do think that, like, there could have been a redemption. Like, I, if he had died fighting the White Walkers, it would have been sad, but I would have been fine with it. I was shocked. I think we watched the episode together. We did. We, we, watched, did. Mo- we watched most yeah. of the episode. Yeah. was, like, yeah. the... When it was, like, that shot that was, like, the really dark... Because that episode... I remember how everyone joked about how fucking dark it yeah, was. Yeah, it was. Shit. Yeah. But, like, that shot of, like, you know, they cut through all these shifting shots from the immediate aftermath of the battle and it was, like, it was him, Podrick, and Brienne... And I was like, they're all alive! I was like, holy shit! That was surprising, because... I was sure. It yeah. really felt like we were at least getting the swan song on some people, but yeah. no, it was just well, the secondary Jorah. characters. You know, my boy Jorah. On, on the whole, I enjoyed that episode. It's a good episode. I thought it was good. I thought, for, for me... It, it could go different in the books because I think the book seems to have more of a focus on like the others slash the White Walkers as being like the overall theme yeah. whereas the TV show has always been more about like gov- like not the, not the government but like you know what I'm saying right like, yeah, like yeah. Who's, who's going to sit in the Iron Throne right yeah. and so the idea that you could sort of brush off that threat in an episode or maybe two if you wanted to do it that way mm-hmm. is perfectly fine with me yeah I have no problem with them getting it out of the way early on in the season it, like it, it is a bit it is a bit odd that GRM started this thing yeah. Like, I don't really know what, on a meta level, what he's saying there. If he wanted to do the War of the Roses. And that's fine, and then it's a show about all of these warring factions and the balance is shifting between them, and one of them ends up on the throne at the end. That's great. Mm-hmm. And then also is obvious. Yeah. Also zombies. What I mean, I guess, it's, I, I guess it's just, you know, you, you should be cautioned about looking at it too literally as War of the Roses, you know? Yeah. Versus something that's inspired by the general actions that led to the War of the Roses. We also kind of, we've touched on this oh, some. This seems like a busy narrative. To oh, no, it no is. I 100% agree. But I, I, I want you to think about it in terms of, like, you know how... There's been a handful of movies we've done where uh, they seem to be, like, a passion project for the director, and they seem so overstuffed, likely because it's an idea that they've taken out and put away multiple times and added on different shit that mm-hmm. may be pretty disjointed together. Please I, listen to our Toys episode. Exactly! Yeah. I think that's kind of a similar effect here. I think it's just... He's been writing this series for so fucking long. Yeah. And I think he's just never said no to a new plot idea or direction well, for a character that he's just... The two... But, but these are the two threads that are set up in, uh, like, minute one of, of both the books and the movies. Mm-hmm. is like, A, King dies, who's going to be the throne? Civil War. Yeah. B, there are ice zombies coming. At some point, the apocalypse will happen. Right. And so, like, you have that set up from day one. And like, this is just me taking a wild shot in the dark. But, like... I feel like as a writer, you must have a general idea of how that's going to connect at some point. And like, if I was taking out, like, this is one wild guess. I have no idea if this is what he was thinking, but is he, is he maybe trying to do something where like people, humanity is fighting each other and misses a greater threat? Is that kind of, is that kind of what he was saying? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Like, like, you know how like. They're caught up in petty squabbles. We fight, we fight, we fight, but the environment is... It's arguably a metaphor for climate change or something. Right, like something like that. Is that maybe... But And this really doesn't play out like this in season eight because it turns out, now we'll stop that real quick and then we'll go back to fighting about the war. Right, right. The throne. 
It's just, it's just, it is odd how it plays out in the show. It is. And it's sort of, it, well, the individual narrative of how the war, the Night King episode plays out is good. Its placement feels a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess again, I guess I think, just because I, the show always puts such an emphasis on the Iron Throne that like it has to end yeah. with this, but they couldn't find an elegant way to sort of make the two intertwine. So like you, all you really get is the idea that like Cersei's like, yeah, go fight them. I'll definitely send troops up and help you. Fight. Yeah, <laughs> this is the thing. Like how I talked, I off mic, I talked about how I thought a better. Better than the stupid death that we got out of Littlefinger, I would have liked for him to have died because of like magic. Like he didn't count yeah. magic being real. He didn't believe in it. I think that's how Cersei should have died too. Like the White Night King should have got her. Because like, oh, that would have been interesting. I didn't fucking think that that was going to happen. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been cool to have seen the White Walkers take King's Landing? And yeah, then, uh, I mean, I guess the, the issue final, is also that's though, the final fight. Is is the, the that's a long walk? It is a long walk, and that's probably why she felt so smug about it. But like, yeah. if there was some sort of way that that would play out. No, and I'm not saying that. Like, yeah, I'm not saying that. Like, Cersei is wrong for feeling confident that they will never get down there. Yeah, but like in terms of. You, in terms of a narrative, you have to do a lot of fucking legwork where it's like, and then they took the north, and then they took this kingdom, and then yeah. they took this kingdom, and now we're finally King's Landing, and it's been two years since they first showed up. Or yeah. just like, ugh, oof ba boof. So much legwork. And I'm really unclear what the Night King's, like, Deal strategy was. level was. Like, was he actually going, was he just going in a beeline towards King's Landing? Was he going to, like, zombie-esque, like, map, just sort of hoard out? I guess I just assumed it was just, like, spread. You know, yeah. like, I don't think he seems to have any particular interest in King's Landing. Well, he just wants to, I guess, I mean, what, I guess eventually. kill all humans? Well, sure, eventually, yeah, kill all humans, zombie rules. Eventually yeah. he'll get there, but I don't think it's, like, his end game is to get to King's Landing, and it's like, aha, then he'll sit on the Iron Throne. <laughs> we don't even really know what motivates him. Is it just, like, a blind? Because he's I more see. intelligent than the Whites, right? Like, there's some sort of, like... But then he, it seems like he's supposed to be representative of some kind of magical primal force... Yeah, I don't of know. like death and. Well, he's mad at the, I guess he's mad at the children of the forest. Maybe question mark. Is question mark. Making him. I, I didn't ask to be born, Dad. <laughs> Do you remember that? Really, I actually really liked this part, even though I don't remember how it fit into the overall mythos. Mythos, but do you guys remember that really creepy sequence towards the end where they show you what happens to Craster's babies? Yeah, that I remember left? that one. And the like those like weird figures standing well, they... at the horizon of like that ice field. Ugh. Yeah, because the White Walkers take them and turn them into other White yeah. Walkers. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 you see the shot of it picking up the baby and like, boop. But I just, eyes blue. Uh, yeah. Spooky, just that whole scene. Yeah, is. real Paul Hollywood blue. <laughs> <laughs> have you been keeping up? Darling, of course I have. What, with Big Off? Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll be our bullshit next Bake episode. We'll oh, for sure. About episode. Like how Emma Stone is playing Lottie and you can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> I would only watch Celebrity Bake Off. That's the only one I would watch. I don't want to watch normal people. Normos? Normal oh, Bormos? That's, that's the charm of it. I like Normos. <laughs> I like Normos. I like the celebs, too. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have anything else constructive to say. We've I don't know. What would you like? What, like, what would have made it better for you? Is there like so, a thing yes. that would have made it better for yeah. you? Well, yes, several. Okay, Fix one, Fix. Jamie and Brienne don't. Yeah. He doesn't fuck off at the end. But yeah, that would have been nice. I, um, I don't know how I feel about Arya killing the Night King. I kind of so think Arya should have killed someone else. There, there's a little, like, I, I'm of two minds really about it. Cersei, yeah. yeah, I mean, Cersei would have made some sense. I'm of two minds of Arya, right? Because, like, on the one hand, it is, like, literally the most the show calls back during the entire season is that earlier on you see her practicing fighting with Brienne and she does the little, like, knife drop thing. And, like, that is literally the most that the show can bother to reference itself in this fucked up season. So, like, I kind of like yeah. that the, like, the little bit that they did actually pays off in the end there. Yeah. I do think it's bizarre that she doesn't kill the Night King by doing anything that she studied. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like she's wearing, you know, a white mask or right. something, right? She just, like 
jumps down from the tree and stabs him really quick. And like, yeah, it's cool. It's nice seeing Arya be competent. But on the other hand, I feel like you've also sort of led us to believe that Jon Snow matters more in this arc than Arya does. So like, while it's fine to sort of... And all Jon Snow did was just hide behind a a dragon. And like yell at a dragon. Yeah. Yeah. So like, while it's fine, I guess, to sort of subvert what you think will happen, in a show that's as preoccupied with prophecy as Game of Thrones kind of is, it's strange that it doesn't happen, you know? I think it's... I, I mean, this is such a broad fix, but I find the writing in general to be so reactive just to the idea of trying to surprise its audience. And I think it, it, uh, as time went on, it prized that way over just telling a good story. And I found that to be very hard to care about and follow. Um, and uh, I kind of also going off of what you were talking about. Um, oh, um, the with how they handled the hound. Mm. I felt like we really concluded his whole, like, him and uh, the mountain thing. Like, yeah, we all, like, were getting on board for Clegane Bowl and whatnot. But, like, at least as the show happened out, he kind of reached an emotional conclusion to that where he was supposed to be letting go. But for fan service, he's going to storm up there and just fight this zombie? No, 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 no. Yeah. no, no, no. I'm fine with that. He goes, with, he goes to King's Landing with Arya... He he stops the, to the team reunites. He stops the take on the mountain so that she can proceed up to to uh, Cersei. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. She kills Cersei. We have the game ball. Everyone's happy. Yeah, it is a odd. better. Um, Sometimes but, you must you must provide. You you cannot hype without. Then I would I mean, then I would rather have the game ball way before he's a zombie because killing him as a zombie is meaningless to me. I'm like, well, then you're not even killing your brother. You're just yeah. killing the shell that was. I don't know. That. I don't he know. is a zombie. I think he's, he's yeah. Like it's a, a little unclear as to how with up. it he is. But yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't I don't mind that so much. I, it is interesting to me though how. <laughs> how inconsistently the show deals with fan service in the latter seasons where like there are things like Clegane Bowl has to happen as yeah. like yeah fan service demands it versus like well John's not going to end up on the Iron Throne Danny's not going to end up on the Iron Throne it's going to be Bran where it's just like it's like it would be one thing if <laughs> you were everyone's cons- like huh yeah, yeah everyone scratches their heads you see what I mean that? Ooh, yeah. Ooh, Ooh, Jesus expect- Christ sweet Robin is expectations yeah. oh yeah who's this little hunk expectations subverted didn't see that coming it's Bran yeah. right so it's like I feel like it would be one thing to just completely do like go hardcore fan service-y a la Rise of Skywalker and just have like everything happen that Reddit demanded happen and it would be <laughs> one thing to be like no we must not give them anything that they predicted we have to subvert every little thing that they've ever said but like it just goes half and half on both and consequently you just feel like you're left with like you know I, I don't know, like jelly and chocolate, right? You're not peanut butter and chocolate, yeah. you're not peanut butter and jelly. Right. So you've got these two things that don't really mix with each other. If we're doing like the least effort possible ish, so John kills the Night King mm-hmm. instead of Arya, mm-hmm. Arya and Sandor, Clegane go down to King's Landing uh, and assassinate Cersei before she can do something really stupid. Uh, that's gonna do we be- want Arya to kill Cersei or do we want Jamie to kill Cersei? I think Arya. Arya. I don't want Jamie. Jamie stays Jamie up. Fucking going yeah. Jamie, Jamie's over it. He's with Brienne. Yeah. yeah, I think Brienne. I think he should. Tr- I think I'm fine with him trying to go. I'm fine with Brienne just knocking him the fuck out. Yep. And tying him up and be like, "You stay fucking here." <laughs> um, that would be great. Yeah. That was Danny's arc, and I think Danny should get uh, paranoid about John. Yes. Taking her. Which Even would have been... It's not a factor. Which would have made a lot more sense for her She already was getting paranoid town. about John. Even though John was like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to be king. But everyone loves John for killing the Night King at this mm-hmm. point. Because he did it. And everyone's thinking, oh, this guy's great. He should be king. And also, we know him. We don't know Danny. Right. 
And Which they allude to at times, but they don't play it up as much as they yeah. would have liked them I think to. you can't... I can't go back and, and plant the seeds of Danny going insane. I can't do that if I'm only doing the cheap season 8 fixes. But I think if you did that and you planted the seeds that she's starting to care more about holding on to the power she has and believing too hard and that she can never do any wrong, that you could have her go wrong, go, go nuts that way. I guess. I, I feel like my ideal version would not end with Danny going postal just because I feel like... I don't think she goes postal. She doesn't blow up King's Landing. Okay. Yeah, she does. No, she means in her version. In her oh. version. What I'm, okay, what, I, I guess then to rephrase that, I, I, I think my ideal version does not have Danny like descending into paranoia, I guess, because... Yeah. And not that I'm saying yours is this, but I feel like it's a pretty common trope to yeah. be like, oh, bitches be crazy, right? They, they like, can't handle the power. Is, I just don't want her on the throne. And I that's fair. Like I, I'm trying to think of like a different way, like if she somehow dies during battle you know, or something like that. Battle, or if she she real, if she goes home, back to back across the sea, she rolls Essos. Who's on your throne in your fix? Because um, for, for me, it's probably Sansa. I think there is no throne in my fix. Yeah, I think that they abolished the king. <laughs> do you, I think the dragon you, pops back you, and melts her real quick. Well, at the audience. Well, I was, <laughs> was going to say, like, do you? I mean, it is sort of a bummer that the show ends essentially with an aristocratic oligarchy deciding. <laughs> Who's going to right. I mean, again, like... <laughs> what a for, bummer! For, for a show that is ostensibly so subversive, you're just falling back yeah. in on the same tropes. Yeah, well... So, like, what if it ends... Like, I, I don't know. What if it does end with, like, every single kingdom becoming an autonomous collective or whatever? There's, so there's a lot of... I've talked about this maybe once before with you guys, but there's a lot of, like... Uh, there's some speculation in the books that... Littlefinger was supposed to represent sort of like an Oliver Cromwell type character who was like... I believe it. Fuck the kings. Mm-hmm. This is a terrible system. I'm just gonna tear it all down. And if that if he hadn't gone nuts that way, I would have liked that kind of arc for a little bit. That would have been fun. If to he was just out. like trying to just like just anarchist like fuck up the or the I guess you could also do a version of that where like Sansa kind of learns it from Littlefinger and Littlefinger yeah. still kind of goes too far and flies yes. off the handle, but Sansa's the one who's like, well, you know, to a point, he's got a he's got a point here. Man, yeah. I I know we were kind of wrapping up, but I just I do just want to throw in there that like Sansa is also a character arc that I feel t- that just like sadly goes <laughs> It doesn't, I don't think it, it. It doesn't like crash and burn as hard. No, I don't think. I think it just sort of wheezes well, out. The bigger problem yeah. with Sansa is that you have like a season of her being raped before she comes. I hate road. that. I hate that. Like that. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. It's so unnecessary. Right. And so that's what I'm, I'm saying is that like I think where you leave Sansa at the end is a pretty okay place for the most part, even though she is being like very steely, cold, and emotionless because if women have power, they can't have emotions right. because you know that uh, what will men think that was, if they that see was, women showing emotion? That was literally what I was going to say. That I what a bummer to me that the show is like, and now she's an emotionless robot, right? And she's and I'm like all black all the time. But I don't, I don't like that for her. I actually think it would have been really interesting to see her continue to use these skills that she. Showed and A, placating an absolute psychopath like Joffrey, which I actually thought they cleverly showed at certain points Mm -hmm. of how she would, like, find ways to manipulate whoever had power over her in ways that would allow her to move around the way she wanted to. But by the end of it, she's just sort of like... I'm a business bitch. Right. And I think that's also, that's kind of something you could probably take away from Marjorie in the story. Like, Sansa could take away from Marjorie the idea that, like, you can be, you can have, like, quote unquote stereotypical feminine traits and still be a powerful and effective leader, right? And so, like, what if in the end Sansa realized that she doesn't have to, like, remove the emotional core of her brain to be a good yeah. leader? But, like, yeah. she can still be, like, sympathetic and loving and strong at the same Although, time, you know? To be honest, being blown up in the sept is maybe, uh, this is true. Good. Uh, to be, good to to be fair, Mar- not Marjorie's fault. Was Marjorie was the one who was being, like, yeah. guys. Out of yeah, here. guys, shit is going down. Jonathan Price was like, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. I also want to say, just like, I love Natalie Dormer in the role. I love Marjorie, yeah. the character on the show. In the book, she's absolutely forgettable and a total snore. In the, on the show, spectacular. She's great. 
Um, I had one final thought, which is the thing that I was trying to remember. I was trying to say earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good call. We were talking about the um, the whole like panel (laughs) that all a lot of these horrifying revelations came from. Yeah. That it's uh, in retrospect, it's more amazing that so much of the show was as good as it was. No, it's true. It's like how? How did they? If they wrote so many of the episodes. And they were so dumb. How yeah. did we like so much? Honestly, I think the actors. Right. I mean, there's the actors, but the fact that you have like yeah. a pretty strong source material. But like credit where credits do, they do some condensing of things that pays off pretty well. I think for That's the most true. part. So like, yeah. it's not like they're completely incompetent. Just I think mostly when, incompetent. I think when asked to execute a narrative that is more or less already fleshed out on screen, they are perhaps competent mm-hmm. at it. But I think when asked to start coming up with their own plot beats, flow, and pacing, that's when the, the wheels start to... I mean, it's mostly just, like, pacing and character development, right? Like, yeah. all, most for the most part, the plots can make plausible like, they, sense. They say that they, they'd never understood who the characters were. Right, exactly. It's really just luck. That yeah, and so, like, when, once the books go away, you can get you can, like, you know, coast on fumes for a little bit, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're just like... Brr. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's over, and like, I think someone said... In some article, like, uh, it, we're all probably going to forget it in fears. It's, it's a not going to stick with us. I know. It's really sad. I will say, as much as I have criticisms for the show and I could write, you know, volumes of them, um, it did give us really excellent television at yeah. times. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it, like, it made HBO a lot of money. Yeah, it did. And you had, like, four or five seasons of really good TV, I think, for yeah. the most part. I mean, it, it is a show that at some point I'll probably revisit, you know? At some point in the future, I'll probably go back and watch at least the first couple of seasons. I don't oh my know God, yeah. And then, I like, just season, sex position, it'll all come back. Yeah. I think season five was my favorite because it was right before Littlefinger did some really stupid shit, but then the rest of... The, all of season five was full of, like, the best Littlefinger and Sousa scenes where I was like, this is great, this is the team Was this when they were running around in the Vale? Yeah, and she was, like, learning how to be a player. And right. And was like, we're going to take back Winterfell, it's going to happen for you. And then what ends up happening in six is awful. I drop yeah. you off to get raped. Bye. Yeah. See you. Missed the obvious sociopath. Which, yeah. by the way, how does game not recognize game? Yeah. And also, uh, to me, what a humongous missed opportunity for an amazing plot where she like Count of Monte Cristo's the entire Bolton clan inside of Winterfell. I mean, the thing like that would have been amazing. We'll, we'll yeah. cut this off so soon, but yeah. like. One almost has to assume that, like, Littlefinger knows that Ramsay Bolton's, like, a fucking lunatic. He, he doesn't. So, he doesn't. I agree. I he know, doesn't. But, but, like, you have, like, the only way, like, Littlefinger is the, who's this, like, super intelligent character. Like, when I was watching it, I was like, okay, he has to know man. what's going on. You're right, right. There's a reason why he did this. And yeah. he gets up and he's like, oh, shruggy. <laughs> oh, don't know, don't know. Yeah. Who could have known? Yeah. 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 Who could have known that the house with a flayed man on its banner was probably <laughs> oh, not great? Oh, who could have known that the, like, pallid skinned, bug eyed, like, creepo over there is actually a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's been a good talk. Guys. It has been a good talk. It's we can lay Game of Thrones to rest where to it's rest. been for the past year. Yep. <laughs> sorry for bringing it up again, guys. Yeah, um, sorry for pulling off those scabs. But games. you know what? We're not... We're not... Do Are we really people who talk about culture if we didn't talk about Game of Thrones? <laughs> Valid point. Yeah. Gosh, All right. Two weeks. Two yeah, weeks. Two weeks. Secret Life of Walter Mitty. It's gonna be good. Gonna be good. Bye! 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 Bye. Bye. Bye.